Michelle Prince, founder and CEO of Performance Publishing Group, making a difference one story at a time. We'll be shining the light on successful founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are getting results and making a difference. We'll talk about how they built their businesses, are creating movements, and leveraging the power of authority in their own lives. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. It's Michelle Prince, host of the Power of Authority Spotlight, where we connect with successful founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders talking about how they built their businesses, how they're creating movements, and leveraging the power of authority in their own life. I have such a special guest today um, that I can't wait for you to meet. But first, this episode is brought to you by Performance Publishing Group. Performance Publishing Group provides top quality, comprehensive book publishing services for soon to be authors. The team has helped hundreds of people realize their dream of becoming an author, and I, for one, and Shauna, my guest knows this, believe that everyone has a story, every story needs to be heard. Um, it's, it's how we connect with people, it's how we help people. Um, so as a partner publisher, Performance Publishing Group can offer you more than just expert guidance. They wanna make sure you get the book of your dreams and reap the rewards. To learn more, just go to performancepublishinggroup.com. Well, let me tell you about my friend, Shauna Black. She is the founder and president of Shauna Black and Associates. Her core philosophy is being a heart-centered leader, and she loves to guide and inspire heart-centered leaders around the world. She is passionate about helping them unleash the potential of their, of their people to deliver extraordinary results, and she has a special passion for launching women in technology into powerful positions. Shauna has spent 26 years working in technology corporations and led global divisions spanning 25 countries and managed billion dollar manufacturing plants. She also has board experience in public, private and nonprofit boards and her executive career has provided significant experience in strategy, global operations, technology, risk management and sustainability. But the most important thing I wanna say about Shauna is she has a heart of gold. Um, I consider her a friend and I'm so excited to have you on the show. So welcome Shauna. Good morning, Michelle. So excited to be with you. See you smiley face again. I know. I know you and I connected. How many years ago was it now? Our dear friend of Johnny. Uh, probably was... 2018, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So our dear and friend of Johnny introduced us and um, you and I met in Plano, Texas. Right. We spent just kind of a, a couple hours together talking about you, talking about your story, your next big move. And right. gosh, you it doesn't. Strategize. Uh huh. We strategize. And now fast forward to here we are in 2022 and you're doing all kinds of awesome stuff. So why don't you just kind of start us off with tell tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you're doing. OK, so um, I'm a mechanical engineer by profession. Uh, I, I started actually as a mechanical engineer at 30 with Texas Instruments. That's what brought me to Dallas, Texas, was a job with Texas Instruments. And that was after a five-year high school teaching degree where I was an English lit teacher and mathematics teacher. And in the middle of that, decided to go back, get a mechanical engineering degree, and have two children at the same time while I went through school. So I moved uh, with my husband and my two kids to Dallas and, uh, and started with TI at 30 as a freshman engineer and uh, had a two and a half year old daughter and six month old uh, son. And it was oh. a very 
exciting time of my life. So um, people thought I was a little crazy making such a huge career change. But, you know, honestly, for women, for, for my women friends, that was not uncommon that we started out in more traditional career careers because sort of in our 20s is when the women's living movement started. And almost all my friends went back and became lawyers or doctors or I became an engineer. I think I'm the only one who became an engineer, but bankers, you know, just just went off and and, and entered more non-traditional careers at that time. So um, I did, too. And I never looked back. I had a wonderful career, wow. a long career at Texas Instruments and then had started my own company, but when I started my own company in 2009, I started not doing consulting, but doing interim management. So my first contract was in Korea running uh, manufacturing for a Korean semiconductor company, and that was a really fabulous experience. So wow. I then came back here and did that for a startup here in Addison for a while. And then in 2013, I was asked to join a consulting firm. That was when I went into uh, strategic advisory full time, and mm. I have a heck. I've had a wonderful, wonderful life post corporation. Yes, and, uh, and dramatically different from working in Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 companies. But um, uh, I've really enjoyed being an entrepreneur and really enjoyed being my own boss. Yes. So, as you know, our clients really are our key customers, but it's been really fun. Yeah. Well, and I love that because, and I do know more of your story, um, that you, in that time, not only a woman as a, as a mechanical engineer, you know, not that many, I'm sure at TI, you were not the majority. (laughs) Um, I graduated from college. Uh, we were about 5%. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And people of color were even fewer in number. Yes. And having a new family at the time. And so what was it that, how, how did you juggle it all back then? Uh, I just juggled it. <laughs> imperfectly, right? Um, I was still nursing my son who was six months. And uh, I am on record both at Kansas State where I started my first year and New Mexico State where I finished because at the time my husband was an army dentist. And so we, we got transferred. And so the only thing I asked for is I get, tra- we got transferred near, you know, a university had mechanical engineering. So I actually went to two schools and um, I'm on record at both schools for being the first pregnant engineering student. In the Go. So, uh, so I started, I was still nursing my son when I went to, uh, uh, to, T.I. And one of the very first discussions I had to have was, you know, I was still pumping during the day. Right. (laughs) And I had to have a conversation about, okay, where do I store my milk? Well, trust me, I don't think anybody had had that conversation. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So that was just the beginning of being different. Right. Uh, That was a time in technology and where it was very typical to, you know, most of my peers had stay-at-home wives. And it was very typical that the day started at 7 in in the morning and ended at 7 p.m. And uh, that just, and it was very typical back in those days that, you know, people work six days a week. And 
I maybe went in the office on Sunday and uh, I start, I was, I started um, with a construction group uh, supporting expansion of the manufacturing plants at TI. And we were working long hours. And I finally told my boss I needed to have the next weekend off. And he said, well, you know, I just don't know that you can have that. And I said, well, it's really not negotiable. I haven't seen my children as much as I need to. And I'm going to take the weekend off. And he said, well, you know, when I started at your age, you know, I worked these long hours. And, but look what it did to my career. And I, I, I don't know why I was so clear about my values at that point. But I just said, look. If getting ahead at TI means that I have to sacrifice my family and not see my family, then I'm not interested. And he was like, oh, no, no, that's, that's not what I meant. That's not. And so oh, yeah. he just backed up and he never, you know, had that conversation with me again. And, uh, and you know, I covered for my work and got my work done with the help of, you know, teammates and we supported each other. But it was the first experience I had, you know, I came out of education, which was a much different culture, mm-hmm. very much a, a, I would call a women energy culture in a lot of ways, family culture. And, you know, it was the first experience I had at, in corporate America that if you stand in your values and speak for your values, you can get different outcomes. Mm. And I think it was a really important lesson in my career because I think it helped me be a change agent in that culture for the rest of my career. And in my in my career, you know, I helped. I was one of the the my organization was one of the pilot programs for flexible work schedules in in TI. Um, I was one of the first people in TI that. Uh, created job sharing in her organizations where, you know, for example, two women came to me who were both pregnant and said, and they were both engineers in different jobs. And they said, we have an idea. We'd like to be responsible for one job and we'd like to share it half time. And she'll come in the morning, I'll come in the afternoon and we've agreed to uh, babysit for our children. Oh, that's so great. Right. And it was like, I got to keep two really brilliant engineers and said, lose two brilliant engineers. And sure enough, in two years, one came back full time and the other one continued to work part time. I still kept two really highly skilled women who only needed this kind of reduction schedule for a part of their life. You know, the childbearing time is a really of an entire career is very short time. Mm-hmm. So these are just um, experiences I had that helped me learn we can make different choices yeah. and we can create environments that are much more supporting and nourishing for our people. One of the things that I remember you sharing with me when we were kind of talking about your story, your message, and you are working on a book, which we're going to be talking about here shortly, but that you 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 said it already, you did do things differently, but you as a leader did things differently. Talk a little bit about that. And it is also kind of the, the heart of the message of the book you're writing. So why don't you kind of elaborate on that? Well, you know, 
and I think it goes back to my background, but I was raised by parents who believed that leadership was serving others. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, that there are leaders or people who believe power is to be used for and with other people to make the world a better place. And then there are leaders and people who believe power is about using power over people. Mm. And my family of origin was very much a power for and with people. And so I came from a family where my parents modeled servant leadership and they modeled um, that you, you, you serve others and mm -hmm. you help others who need, need help and you help others um, who are, have less than we do. And, and, and we were, we were, you know, we were, middle class, lower middle class. There were there was not a lot of extra money. But my grandparents were immigrants. And so my parents thought we were, you know, very well off. Yes. Right? <laughs> and and so that we should share for the for those who who needed. And and then I went into education and education is very much about using your power to serve others and yes. to help people grow and to help people achieve their goals and to help people grow their capacity to get the life they want more every year. I mean, that's how mm -hmm. we're measured as teachers, right? So I came into uh, technology and corporate America with that mindset. Yeah. And at the time I came into technology, power over people was the dominant model. And oh, yeah. Even today in corporate America, it's it's still probably the primary model. It's very much a hierarchical system and a you know status system, and that's what I saw around me. It did not work for me, and I knew it would never work for me. Right? I knew that I could never deliver results that way. It just didn't fit who I was. And so when I started having an opportunity to lead, and it was as a project engineer and then, you know, as a project manager, very low in the organization, I just chose to do it my way, and it, which is a collaborative way. It's an inclusive way. It's a, a, a making team decisions. And no surprise, people flourish in that kind of environment, right? People. I believe people don't wake up in the morning and think, how can I screw up? Yes. People yeah. want to be successful. They want to be part of a successful team. They want to contribute to their community. They want to contribute to their family. Right. right. And, and when, when they enter an environment that invites them to do that, they're more than happy to do that. Right. And, and, when they understand that they're invited to to fully contribute as the authentic people they are and grow their capacity to contribute yeah. and and be part of the team you get very you get all of that unleashed discretionary effort right mm -hmm. and it's a joyful place right i mean Besides your family at home, who else do you spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week with? That is, that, that should be your family, yes. right? Yeah. And so I started leading that way, right? And we got, we, we got, we were very successful and I got promoted as a result and I kept being successful. And, um, 
people started noticing that I was doing it different. And as I got promoted in bigger jobs, people actually started questioning, yeah, can that really work here? Right. And luckily at that point, I had leaders who had, um, who knew who I was and encouraged me to operate out of that philosophy and to trust it. And so I wasn't alone in taking those risks. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, by, by, by the time I got to there, it, it was just too late for me to change. Yes. Well, and in your book, you talk a lot about, you know, all of the, the, the years, all the different experiences. You, you have interviews with people that, that, that you interacted with. Um, tell us a little bit more about the book, the, what it's called, when it's coming out, and what they can <laughs> expect in it. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's my first book, so it's taken me longer than, than I had planned, which is okay. It's called uh, Grit and Grace, Leading with the Heart Through Crisis. And I started writing it after the pandemic because through the pandemic, I had worked with so many. I worked with um, C-suite leaders or business owners and founders, right? So these are people who have huge responsibility, right, at, for organizations and for people. And through the pandemic, um, I was still doing executive coaching with these leaders. I wasn't doing consulting with their leadership anymore, which is what I normally did because of course nobody was coming into the office. Right. But I continued to work with them because it was a very lonely, scary time. And these leaders had so much responsibility. And I saw them lead so courageously and with their heart. Mm -hmm. And you know, we read on the national, we, we were reading on the national scale so many stories about, you know, leaders who were not doing the right thing and were not putting their people first. And every day I worked with leaders who every day picked themselves up, went to work, put their people first, took responsibility for keeping people safe and healthy, and then took responsibility for sustaining their business so their people could have financial security. And these were leaders who made the commitment in every way possible not to lay off anybody through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And they just came to work every day. They weren't on, you know, they weren't, they weren't being featured on any big newspapers. They weren't being bragged about. They weren't bragging about themselves but they were just coming to work every day and doing the right thing. And I watched how they opened up their heart. I watched how they just every day, even when they didn't have any answers, even when there were more problems than they had knew how to solve, they came to work every day and just figure it out with their team and spent their teams time reassuring their people. It was going to be all right. Accommodating their people, mm -hmm. accommodating people's needs who had you know, children at home or had high risk families at home or had their own health problems. Right. I remember one of my leaders had to sit down with one of his key people that did not want to, who, who, who worked in a manufacturing area who did not want to go home, but he had to send this person home because he knew about their health issues. Right. And he had have that conversation in a kind, respectful way, but create a different role for them so they could work from, from home, right? 
And and it was just nobody was talking about these people. No. And I we've had leaders all over this country, all through the pandemic, who were operating this way from their heart, with a lot of courage, every day trying to do what's the right thing for my people, and trusting that they did that. They would be doing the right thing for their company, for their customers, for their community. And I, I wanted to write about them. Yeah. And so this book is really a tribute to them. I and love that you're sharing those stories because you're right. You hear about all the negative things in the news. We don't hear enough of those kinds of stories and those kinds of leaders. So yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, Church came out, I think it was last year, they came out and said during the pandemic, 60 to 70 percent of media reporting was negative. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> I would have thought more. <laughs> and and yet, you know, 75 percent of all people in this country are employed by small businesses. Mm-hmm. Right. And and these lead, so many of these leaders believe that that their people are their extended family. And, and believe that their role is to serve them. And they do deserve tribute. Yeah. Well, let's pivot a little bit because you have pivoted a little um, and not, not just with your, your whole career and everything you've been doing, but talk a little bit about what you're doing now with women and leaders in technology and, and what, your, yeah. what is your passion today? Yeah, so, so I, still have the, I still have these clients that I've been working with for a long time because my relationships are always very long term but um about about 6 months ago 6 months to a year ago i was thinking about sort of the next spin on what i wanted to do and i real and i had through the pandemic you know i i had read through the pandemic how disproportionately working women were hit by the pandemic right? Particularly working women with children at home were disproportionately affected. It was the first time in our history we had a women's recession. And and I started reading about the impact of women on technology. You know, the impact on women and technology was really severe um, because these aren't necessarily uh, always really supportive, nurturing environments, right? And uh, uh, Accenture and, and Women That Code came out and said that, um, that we were losing women at 35 in technology at a 30% rate. I haven't validated that, but that's what the report said. And, and I started thinking, you know, it just shouldn't be this way. No. You know, these years after I started the technology, I thought we would be done having this conversation, right? And so I just thought, if, if I'm going to, to really focus on something that's near and dear to my heart, that's really my younger self. Yes. And so my younger self is women leaders in technology. And I've, I've started in the last six months talking, well, you know, I'm very involved in STEM programs. I'm very involved in DFW Alliance for Technology and Women. I'm involved with High Tech High Heels. So I have access to a lot of these women, and a lot of these women are my clients. And what I hear from them is the cultures that they're working in have not dramatically changed from when I worked in them, right? Wow. And 
And many of these women as leaders still feel alone. If you look at women in technology, we're still only 20 to 25%. We're, we're, we're not even 30%. We're way behind law and medicine, et cetera, in terms of women's representation. If you start talking about women leaders in technology, you're talking about less than 10%. So it can be very lonely. And by anybody's uh, criteria, I had a pretty successful career in technology. And through the process, I learned a lot of secret sauce. And I would like to share that with women leaders in technology because I think there's a lot that we can do that can make that job easier for us. And I think women should be able to create the careers they love and still have joyful, fulfilling life. Totally true. Great at all, right? You know, something you said that I love was, you know, you're passionate about this, but it's it's because you were there. And, And, you know, I love helping people with stories. And really, at the end of the day, our story is, are, are what we're passionate about and what maybe we didn't have at a certain period in our life or, you know, didn't, you wanted somebody to help you at that stage, but you didn't have anybody. So you want to be that, that light for them now. And, and so, and I see that in you and I see you're doing that. And I think the message is, is so relevant, obviously with everything going on, but even outside of technology, I mean, just women in general, but I know in technology specifically, yeah. there is a need there. Um, yeah. Well, I suspect that as I, you know, grow this business, which I'm very excited about because a, a large part of this business I'm going to do online because one of the things I've really missed through the pandemic is my global world has shrunk. Yes. And this online is going to really allow me to push out my global world again. I really miss that. But it would surprise me if I attracted women outside of technology as well. And I would love that. Right. Yes. But I'm listening to very good advisors that say to me, if I'm going to start in this new direction, I need to focus on a narrow client mm-hmm. and grow it. Yes. And you know that from starting your own business. So I'm trying to follow good advice. Yeah. But I just love helping women. I know you do. I know you do. And you're the perfect person to do it. And you're so inspiring. And um, I just, you know, can't say enough about you. Um, And and unfortunately, we're running out of time. So um, how can people learn more about what you're doing, how you can help them about the book, all of that stuff? Yeah. So right now, um, the book probably won't be out till the end of this year. Again, I've been slower than I I thought. And I'm working with wonderful company called performance publishing (laughs) highly recommended and have recommended to so many friends who have actually gotten books out before me it's sort of embarrassing (laughs) um so so uh, but i i would say the primary way to find me is on linkedin okay you know that's a very powerful network and um it's i've been on linkedin for a long time so that's a great way to find me and all my information is there. So Yes, absolutely. And when your book does come out, we'll, we will be promoting it as well. So um, definitely keep, t- keep track of what you're doing that way. Um, what, so just as our last question, what advice would you give to a woman that is listening right now who maybe is frustrated in their career or they're, you know, they're, they're not, they know there's more they're capable of doing, but they're just kind of stuck. 
what advice would you give them? Okay, so the first thing I would say is don't ever stop believing in yourself, mm. right? You pick this career for a reason. You were called to this career. The fact that you're facing resistance is external. Go back and, and, and recall your own origin story. What was it about that that called you to this because you're needed in this job? I want women to hear wherever they are, the world needs us. Mm. So the second absolute free piece of advice, but it's so powerful, is I highly recommend a book written by Lachiever and Babcock called Women Don't Ask. Mm. It's a really powerful book written by a researcher and a journalist on how we can more effectively ask for what we want and get it. I love it. I, I think it's so powerful. Every woman over 18 should read this book. I have not read it and I am going to download it as soon as we're done with this show because <laughs> that sounds amazing. It's really, it's really amazing. And if you don't see yourself all over it, I'll be surprised. Okay. I, I read it. I have been that VP for eight years and, you know, everybody viewed me as somebody who was very assertive and got what I want. And I saw myself all over the book. Okay. And I then and applied their strategies. Mm -hmm. and wow. So start there and then call me. Okay. <laughs> yes. Find, find Shauna Black on LinkedIn. Everything is there. And But thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and share your knowledge and inspire women. And I just, I can't wait to see all the things that are in front of you and how this whole thing's going to unfold even bigger than it has been already. Oh, Michelle, you're all, it's always a joy to talk to you. And, and you're one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing. And so mm -hmm. from the, my heart, I love you. Oh, I love you too. You can make me cry now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's it for the show. If you are listening, I, I encourage you to take action. I mean, there's no coincidences in my, in my book. And, um, you know, maybe this was just the motivation you needed to, to get out there, um, do something, find your passion, your origin story, go back to where you were called, which is great advice Shauna gave us and make it happen. So we'll see you next time. for listening to the Power of Authority Spotlight. If you are a successful founder, entrepreneur, business owner, or leader that's getting results and making a difference, and you'd like to be on this program, please visit performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast to apply. That's performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Also, if you got something out of this interview, please share this episode. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag, the power of authority spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our websites, performancepublishinggroup.com or michelleprince.com. And follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.